Hello, it's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for January 23rd, 2019. And if you're probably thinking, I've, I've, I've uh, heard that date before. Like, I've, I've, I know, I've heard that being said already today. Well, that's because you've already heard my link mark today. Talk about the bloody Oscars, you silly bitch. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I did a recent, um, Another podcast today talking about the Oscar nominations. I express my thoughts on those, my snubs, my surprises. Um, so if you want to listen to that, that is available on the channel right now. You can go on CastBox and listen to that right now. You can get my opinions. And uh, you can even give me give me uh, yours as well. I'd love to hear them. Uh, I was nicely out. I must just uh, say, I was, ni- I was out in the back room. It was nice. I had a nice breeze coming through the window. And there's not enough... Um, there's not a... A lot of inter- interruptions in the back room, but also you got the front room with everyone watching television, so... I've had to once again reserve uh, what I call the hot box, which is the front office of the house. And uh, here we fucking are. I'm already sweating. But, this is what I love to do. Um, so, so be it. Uh, just, I'm just thanking uh, all things of nature that it, it's not like 40 fucking degrees right now. Um, still, it's it it could get quite sweaty. Uh, on this podcast, I'll be talking about spoiler free. Don't don't, don't freak out. Spoiler free of uh, Glass. I'll be talking about Lars von Trier's new film, The House That Jack Built, and I'll be talking about Nicholas Pesce's new film, Piercing. Um, recently, uh, recently watched that. So I'll be talking about that. It's a little bit of a weird one, but we'll get to that one. So, I want to start off by talking about uh, M. Night Shyamalan's conclusion to his superhero trilogy, Glass. Now, this film has been 19 years in the making after Unbreakable. 19 years. Let me just look at that through your head. 19 years after the making of Unbreakable. Um... Is supposed to be a sequel to Unbreakable and Split, which is Split came out. So we got Split in 2015, I believe. 2015? 2016? I think it was 2016. I think it was 2016. Um... Yes. Yes, 2016. Early 2017. Um, so it's supposed to be a sequel to both of those films. Now... When Split came out, I thought it was just a generic thriller. Not a generic thriller. I'm just a normal thriller. Um, has a really, it's really well shot, and um, James McAvoy's performance is one of the best things I've ever seen. And uh, then we get in the at the end of it, we get the little twist with uh, it's supposed to be David Dunn at the bar at the end of the film, and you're like, oh shit, this in the same universe as Unbreakable. And then, of course, we get uh, about a month later, we get Shyamalan saying that he's working on a film called Glass, which, which will focus on um, Elijah Price, who is um, Mr. Glass, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. Now, yeah, so we've got 19 years after Unbreakable. We have a lot of anticipation built up for this film. This film was actually also on my most anticipated film list of 2019. And I was very, very excited that it was coming up so quickly. And I didn't have to wait too much longer to see it. I went and saw it on last Saturday night. It came out last Thursday, January 17th. I went and saw it on January 19th on Saturday night. And, um... And, yeah. I, I've, uh, I've collected my thoughts. And uh, this is what I think about it. It's been, getting, it's been getting a lot of 
negative reactions, negative reviews. It's currently sitting at, I think, 35% of Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand why. But um, it's certainly not that bad. So let's talk about Glass. Now, Glass does have a lot to appreciate and love. Um, the beginning, the first 20 minutes, the 30, half an hour is is so fucking good. It's um, it's def it's definitely the interaction you were waiting for from um, Split, which is you had um, the end of it with David Dunn, and then you got the supervillain origin story with the Beast and the Horde. And then you're thinking, well, they're obviously going to collide there. This is going to be like the uh, the end of uh, Glass, but um, it's really, really, really good in the um, first 20 minutes. Um, we won't say what exactly does happen, but uh, I'll definitely be talking that, more about that tomorrow. Um, but it's very, very good. I love the score um, during that sequence, and it's very tense. Uh, James McAvoy is fantastic in this movie. He is even better, I think, than Split, because you do see more personalities come up in this film. Uh, and I won't say which ones they are. Again, another conversation for tomorrow. But uh, he, I, I just got to say, he is probably worth the price of the ticket alone. He is just absolutely phenomenal in this movie. He's definitely the best part of Glass. Um, it also, it's also got great cinematography. Again, uh, Shyamalan uses the same cinematographer as Split, and um, his use of color too with the um, the shots, he, he always has a great eye with color. I think Shyamalan does. Um, you've got the you've got the red with in the village. Um, you've got the 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 purple and the green and Unbreakable. Um, green representing David Dunn, purple representing Elijah Price. And um, there's more in this scene because the movie takes place um, primarily in a mental hospital with these three characters. Um, bit, of a, bit of a slow burn, I must say. And uh, it does... Uh, there's a lot of beautiful shots, silhouette shots. There's a lot of... Um, I love how the walls are painted. Um, one of the one of the posters, one of the teaser posters, or teaser first set images, was a beautiful shot of uh, the three colors coming together. The, um, the Horde having the yellow, the David, uh, David Dunn, it having the uh, green and uh, Mr. Glass having the purple, and it was like a three. It was like a triage of colors, and it was so beautiful to look at. Um, I really hope I use that word correctly, because <laughs> I know that. I mean, tree means three. Tree means three. So, um, no, I was using that very wrong. Um, I heard it. I was, I was like, I have to mean three. Um, I think I meant to say, I think I meant to say trifecta. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I meant to say trifecta um, or combo of colors. Uh, it, again, just just beautiful stuff. And uh, I just I think it's I think it's got good. Uh, it does have good direction. Like it's it's really well done. Like Split, and it just makes a lot of decisions that are going to be polarizing for most people. I think, and that's why it's getting. That's why it's getting the uh, reviews from. Critics saying that it's a bad film, like it's one of his. It's it's definitely the weakest of the trilogy, in my opinion. I would say that. But um, Unbreakable still being my favorite. Um, but I'm not going to put down like what he's what he's done here. He's he's created the 19 year arc of three films, and he's managed to um, you know really um, 
really put it together. Like he he had he had a plan from the beginning. Um. Sorry about that. A bit a bit of interruption there. Um. I was what was I talking? I was talking about yeah the um direction as well. It's Split is definitely a better film than this one. Um. It's as I said, it's the weakest of the trilogy. Um. But I still can't put down the man's work. Like the dedication and the effort he's put into this, he he self finances his films. So, I mean, this film only having about a twenty million dollar budget is quite impressive for what he's able to put on screen here. So I will definitely say that uh, it was really really cool to see Anya Taylor Joy again. He was he was great. Samuel L. Jackson was great once Glass is in the picture, and uh, Bruce Willis is, is good with what he's given. But I also didn't. Uh, which will be part of my negatives. I just think he should have been in it just a bit more. Um, but that's that's all I, what I think. I'm definitely kind of mixed on this one. Um, there's a as I said, there's a lot to like, and I just I just said it then. But there's also a lot that I just didn't really like, and we're going to get into the negatives now. Um, I just mentioned Bruce Willis's character before, David Dunn. Um, I just think there wasn't enough of him. He didn't really have an arc in this film. Um, He's kind of sidelined as once we have Glass and the Horde back in the picture or Kevin back in the picture, he, he's kind of uh, sidelined, I think. And um, there's just really not much that happens. Like he goes from one place to another place and he starts at one place in the start of the film and ends in another place in the end of the film, which is also what I didn't like. And um, I just think that was really weird what happened there. There's also, I mean, I said the cinematography was really good, but the action scenes are poorly shot. Um... It's very dark in that where um in a one of these fights takes place in a warehouse. It's very dark, and I couldn't really keep track of what was going on. Um, and it, it's just weird. These really weird POV shots, um, are very frequent during some heavy action scenes. Um, uh, for example, like if if you have like a uh, GoPro um attached from your head looking at your body I think looking like at your at your body that's definitely what they look like they definitely reminded me of that kind of camera uh, I just think they were really weirdly placed if they were like if there was maybe one maybe they'll be fine but then there's like a few and then there's like there's not enough and then like are you going to be consistent or are you going to be like uh, are you just going to put them in there for the fuck of it like it just I just didn't I thought they were really weirdly placed I wasn't a fan of those shots um, again, I talked about the score earlier in the beginning of the film, but sometimes the score really invades, like, um, my kind of experience. Like, I was, there's certain scenes that just, the score is so abrasive, and I don't know why films try to do this when they, a very important moment is happening with a with character, and the score decides to just build and build and build and just be as loud as it possibly can while this a moment is happening on screen. And I just, I just think it was just too much. It just needed to stop. And there's, I mean, he definitely went back to using the score and like kind of experience with the score from Split, but I also thought there wasn't enough score from Unbreakable. I mean, James Newton Howard's score from Unbreakable is is really iconic, um, and it's not even really, it's maybe used a bit, but again, in my opinion, not as much, not as much as I thought it would be and not as much as I wanted um, to hear it. And I just felt that, that those bits were really weird. Um, and also, like, the, the first act has a strong first act, and then I think has a stronger third act than the second act. The second act, definitely, once we're inside the mental hospital with these three um, uh, superhumans, I would say, there's definitely some pacing issues. Um, I, I remember my friend, he, uh, who we'll be talking to tomorrow, he, um, 
he did fall asleep during one sequence and um, I think it was uh, either, I don't know if it was tiredness or it was just like, it was just too slow. I mean, it's definitely a slow burn and I'm really, I really love slow burn films, but I love slow burn films when there's just, there's something well done with it. I just think the scenes in the hospital were really poorly executed in terms of pacing and they just, I don't know, they, they didn't really, they don't really keep you like, 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 I don't know. They don't, they don't really keep you locked in, to be honest. And uh, I, I, I'll just say that there definitely there are some issues there that need to be fixed. Um, and then definitely the last bit I'll say about this film is the ending. Uh, I don't know. I've still got mixed feelings in the ending. I definitely parted those feelings and really thought those feelings out. But I was actually like, because I came out of the cinema and I was just thinking, I don't know what I thought about that ending. I don't know what to think about that one. There's some parts that I do like about it. There's some parts that I really, really, really don't like about it. Um, I do like the overall message, I think. Uh, but also at the same time, it conflicts because the message is coming from a perspective that is really unexpected. And I just didn't really think it it worked in terms of being a positive message. But we'll definitely talk about that more in tomorrow's um, spoiler talk. Uh, and there's just... Yeah, I was. I think there was a lot of things in the ending I was just not a fan of. I thought it was... There's a plan there, and I just think it was very, very poorly executed. Um... And there's so much exposition in this movie. There is so much exposition. It's like Split was very subtle with exposition, and then uh, also with its score. Split was very subtle with its score as well. It came in, it came in at times that were really just perfect, ripe for the score, and then the score just, just like fucks around here, and then it's just just so much. There's exposition in Split, but it was very. It was just such a small amount. But in this film, in Glass, especially in the mental hospital. Of Sarah Paulson's character, Ellie Doctor Ellie Stable, I think there was way too much exposition. There was way too much explaining to the audience. There was things that would happen, and then the audience would get told what that meant. I'm not fucking stupid. I understand what's going on. I think Shyamalan needs to just really tr trust his audience a bit more. I think. And uh, yeah, uh, that's what that's what I think about Glass. Uh, those are my spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, thoughts. I will be sitting down tomorrow, as, as I said, with my, one of my dear friends, Jacob Richards, to really delve, delve into the film. And because uh, boy knows I've got a lot of fucking spoiler flaws on this movie. Um, there are so many things to dissect. There are so many things to talk about. Even the good things that you really want to talk about and 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 uh, appreciate. And need, there are spoilers in those because so I, so I need to uh, talk about that with someone else and it'd be really great to have a person to talk about it with instead of just doing it on my own. So that's why I'll be sitting down with him tomorrow and we'll be talking about Glass in full spoiler fashion. So that, that means everything in the film will be talked about, including that very polarizing ending. Um, and definitely that will be one to leave them all um, polarized. But before I just leave off off this spoiler-free um, review, I just I will just say that if you're a fan of Unbreakable, if you're a fan of Split, you're gonna like Glass. I think you will like Glass if or you'll like you'll like the majority of Glass. I think because if you follow Shyamalan from the beginning and you're and you're even a Shyamalan fan, I just, I think you will like Glass. These critics that have, have that have saying uh, said they're a Shyamalan champion. This man has a there's a lot to like about in this movie, and this man has put a lot of effort into it. It's just the way that it comes together in the end, and the way that it's executed in the end, I just think falls apart. 
But he definitely, I would say he definitely tried. He definitely has a plan, and he doesn't. He just, he just, he has things to learn from it. Um, that's that's all I'll say. Um, so yeah, if if you like those films, you'll like this one. Go and see it. I mean, really go and see it. James McAvoy is worth the price of ticket alone, in my opinion. He's just absolutely amazing. This movie. Um, and he continues to be, he's going to be, continue to be overshadowed by other performances than his. Um, I honestly think his performance deserved an Oscar nomination for his split, um, but uh, I digress. So those are my spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, check in tomorrow or Friday, depends where I'll upload it, but I'm recording it tomorrow with the friend. Um, yeah, those are, those are the thoughts. Check in tomorrow to see what I really thought about it, eh? What I, uh, all my unfiltered thoughts about glass. It's really fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun, I'll say. Right, moving on. My little book's falling apart. What's going on? What are we doing? Moving on. I saw this film uh, last week sometime, I think. And I've been really wanting to talk about it with someone or with two people since. Um, it's it's a it's definitely a film that's going to have a lot of conversations after it. Um, it's written and directed by one of the most controversial directors living in our world today. He is sent. He is said to be sympathetic to Hitler. Hitler, um, which is obviously the ideals that I don't agree with. But uh, he's definitely a filmmaker. He's definitely kind of... He considers himself definitely an artist. Um, definitely his films are seen by him as, as high art. And uh, he's definitely... He, he is a filmmaker, though. I, I'll, I will say that. This man's a filmmaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Lars von Trier's new film, The House the Jack Built. Um... The last film we got from Lars, I believe, was Nymphomaniac, which was which was, uh, it was it was it was okay. I didn't I really didn't like the end of it. Um, it kind of was, it was shocking, and I just didn't think it. I I just didn't like that end. I didn't like that end at all. Um, oh fucking hell! Oh, I'll go on to. Uh, what I'll do is I'll do this. Yeah, I just... I was not a fan of the ending. I liked some parts of that film um, because it's broken into two parts. So I, I do like um, most of that film. Not even some parts. I think I like most of it. Um, it's got some... It's got some uh, really strong themes and it's what the, how, how he presents it is really nice. But at the ending, it's just... I think the ending just betrays the film, in, to be honest. But um, anyway, that's what thought about that but here's his new film it's the house that jack built now this film was said to have critics walk out of it uh there was people fainting there was so many boos and walkouts at the car film festival uh many people waited in uh had a, were anxious about going to the theater to watch this one because this is the new project from what definitely one of the the most controversial directors working in our um filmmaking industry today um, but I am a fan of his work, so, um, except, uh, yeah, I, I don't really like Antichrist. 
But um, I do like... My favourite film of his is definitely Melancholia. But I think after this, we might have a new favourite. I don't know. But uh, what does that tell you about my review already? <laughs> the house that Jack built is uh, about Jack. He's a serial killer played excellently by Matt Dillon. And it takes place... It's broken into five incidents. I think it's five incidents. And then a final epilogue chapter. It's two and a half hours long. It's very fucking long. Um, too long, in my opinion. It should be. It could be shortened. Uh, it's a very fucking long movie. I don't know if I watched the unrated cut or the Blu-ray cut. I don't know. Um, but I watched a cut that was two and a half hours long. Fully two and a half hours long. So, yeah, that's, that's what I saw anyway. And it, 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 he, it's pretty much his journey from his first kill to becoming who he is today, which is like a mass serial killer. He's, he, he kills over, I believe the death count's over 60. And it takes place over 12 years. So that there's your uh, basic premise in this one. So, again, you're thinking serial killer, you're thinking, yeah, there's going to be some things in this movie that are going to really be not for, like, <laughs> most people. And I'll say that, definitely... This movie is going to absolutely offend everyone. Um, or maybe not offend everyone, but offend most audiences. I mean, you've got the walkouts and, and the booze. It's very, very, very... Um, uh, it's very, I'm going to say, disgustingly sadistic. But it's also very fucking funny, in my opinion. Um... Yeah, I, I found this movie to be hilarious. But um, at the same time, yeah, the, like really acknowledging that's just like, holy, this is fucked. <laughs> this is absolutely fucked up. Um, even even le reaching a level of, a new level of depraved. But um, again, I'll get to some more about it um, in, the, in a minute. I'll start off with... Again, I'll just start off with my positives. Uh, Matt Dillon gives the best performance of his career um, in this movie. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. He's the best part of the film. His character... He, he commits himself so much to the character of Jack. Um, that he does things that are just so outlandish and things that you cannot believe you're seeing. And he just... He just runs with it. He just commits himself fully to this role. And it's so enchanting to watch. Um, it's got really beautiful cinematography. I, I, there are some really great shots in this movie. I mean, I mean, you look at like the slow motion sequences of Melancholia. You've got the Antichrist opening scene. Um, I mean, just wonderful. I really love the handheld look of the film, and um, the editing. Oh my god, the editing! It's so beautiful. Um, there's a lot of sequences where uh, there are sen the sentences are cut off between cuts, so it's like there's a lot of talking and then a cut, then a talking, then a cut, then a talking, then a cut, and it's just really it's it's it flows so well in terms of that editing style. It flows so well, and I really loved it. I really love the editing, and um, yeah, and there's just again with the cinematography that there's so many. Uh, shot types as well. There's there's a lot of. I mean, you've got your all your angles like your wise, your close ups, your extreme close ups. There's a lot of extreme close ups really. Uh, your mids, and then you've got your different formats of uh, of filmmaking as well. Like you, there's there's scenes in in the, in the end of the film that are shot on a phone, shot on look like a smartphone. 
and uh, they're just in there. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was really refreshing. I just thought all all these different uh, camera types were just really cool to see. Uh, I loved the. Uh, uh, what was I? I've got like, so many notes. I got so many notes. Uh, I just loved. I mean, the, the person that carries this film is definitely Matt Dillon. Like, he, he, you can watch him. I, I could watch him for three hours, but. But I will say that there is some part of this film, and this is where I'm going to get into the negatives, that really kind of bring it, bring it down from being absolutely perfect, in my opinion. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's Lars uh, that gets in his own way. Um, I will give him this plus, though. I do think there is some sequence in this film that kind of parody his work. He definitely is kind of, um, in my opinion, putting himself in that character of Jack. He sees himself as Jack. Jack likes art. Jack kind of sees... He has a lot of examples. And again, like these, these examples are so varied throughout the movie there's so many different stories to be in, that he tells to the uh the other person he talks to in this film named uh virch i think i think his name is who is pretty much the devil and um yeah i just think there are so many sequences that really drag um which is what i'm going to get to right now there's a there's a there's a sequence in this film that i thought I thought it was either so cleverly sat satirical and a parody of his own work, or he is so far up his ass that he can see his fucking ribcage. Uh, there's a sequence where art has been talked about. Uh, what is art? What is uh, what constitutes a great piece of art? And it's a lot. It's talked about a lot. There's a lot of other themes as well that I'll get to in a minute. But there's a certain scene where he starts talking about what constitutes a great piece of art. What is a masterpiece? And he starts. He inserts footage from his own movies in there. Um, I, I saw footage from *Nymphomaniac*, uh, *Melancholia*, *Antichrist*. Uh, definitely the tree scene in *Antichrist*. And I don't. I just didn't know what to think about it. I was just like, is this? This guy for real? Like, he is so far up his, like, own fucking ass that he thinks he's this, this higher fucking thing. Like, he's this higher power that he can make pretty much the greatest piece of work he can ever, like, that anyone can ever create. And I just thought, I laughed. I laughed when I saw the footage of Nymphomaniac and Melancholia and fucking Antichrist on the screen because... I also saw it as just like, is he is he doing a parody of himself? Is he doing a satirical kind of joke here? Is he is he satirizing himself as a filmmaker? Or is he just saying, look at this, I'm fucking, I'm a god. Look at this fucking movie, it's it's amazing. I mean, he puts himself in his posters, in his promotional material, in his key art. So. I lean to that side, which which goes, he he's he's just so he's he's a fucking he's so pretentious as a filmmaker that he goes to so many different so uh, I'll say so extreme levels of 
being such a fucking pretentious asshole in this movie. But on the other side, I laughed my ass off in this movie at some of these scenes. And it wasn't because I thought it were bad. I thought they were bad. I actually thought they were very funny. And I thought, like, I dig into that side as well. I lean to that side where it's like, well, maybe he's making fun of himself. Maybe this is like a comedy. I mean, there are scenes that are definitely played for comedy in this movie. But I just, I was just mixing those sequences. I don't know if some people have definitely got unlocked them. I've seen a lot of reviews that just say he's such a pretentious little cunt that um, he can put that in his, in this movie. And uh, yeah, it's, I, it's a, I don't know what this, I don't know what to say. It's so meta. It's so self-referential. Um, I just, I think I loved it. I don't, I don't know. It's so weird to say that, but um, I really enjoyed that bit. Uh, the, some of those bits, really. Right. Um, okay, what's going on here? I need to get this off. Oh, I, did, I did it quickly. I didn't know I was fucking logged into Facebook. I had to log out of Facebook. How dare you interrupt my house of Jack built? <laughs> house of Jack built chat. Um, yeah, I'm just so mixed in those sequences. I don't know what to feel about them yet, but I, I just, I don't know. I love, I think I love them. I love them, but at the same time, I'm like, he's so fucking... <sighs> my God. It reminds me of Aronofsky with Mother. But with Aronofsky with Mother... I believe Aronofsky was that. I believe that movie was pretentious. I, I do believe that movie was pretentious. There was there was such there was no subtlety in that movie. It was just a hammer, a sledgehammer over my head. He was pretty much saying that he was God or he was the writer, and he was like, you know, um, creating everything. It was about creation, and he's giving putting himself in that position. But Lars has the has the benefit of this movie being such a very very dark comedy that, I don't know, I kind of lean towards that side of parody. So, that's my thoughts on that, on that kind of, uh, those scenes. But, um, and there's, and other than that scene that, like, I just uh, mentioned, there's just so many scenes of, like, I, 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 I get it. There, I, I get the scenes of, like, Predator and Prey. I don't need to see it ten times over and over again. Um, the epilogue drags on a bit too long, I think. There's so much exposition between Jack and the devil. I didn't like that at all. There's just so much, so much exposition. And so much pointless conversation between them. So, um, you know, I, there are things I didn't like about it. But, um, I think I mostly did think this movie was... Is it, oh, I loved it. Um... And just be fair, fair warning, this movie does contain a lot, a lot, a lot of um violent and brutal scenes um like not crazy amounts uh, i was actually quite surprised by the actual not not being uh there not being too many scenes of that kind of uh, in that kind of caliber but um yeah there's definitely even though the scenes are infrequent they are very violent they're very brutal there is violence against women there is violence against children um, and that, that right there, that right there, that could be a trigger to say, oh, the, fuck this movie. Are you kidding me? This, this is be allowed to be betrayed, portrayed on a fucking screen. Violence against young children. Um, it's, I mean, especially violence against women. I mean, in, I mean in, in this day and age, in this social climate, holy shit, the amount of violence against 
women in this movie. But at the same time, it's not it's not played for laughs. But it's just there are so many um, there are so many brilliant sequences in the movie that I just think are amazing, and I would love to watch them again. Um, there are so many darkly, darkly, almost pitch black funny scenes, pitch black comedic scenes. That sounds better pitch black kind of comedic scenes in this movie that just people are not going to find funny at all. They are going to... This is why this movie was walked out of. Like, It's the scene with the violence against children and there's something that play, takes place immediately after that I laughed out loud at. And I don't know what that says about my sense of humour. Am I such a sick, sadistic human being that I find this... What I'm seeing, these acts of violence portrayed on screen, hilarious? Or does that say... I mean, it's definitely giving... I see it as, I, I see it as a comment of definitely being, like, being insensitive to towards violence now and being so comfortable with it. Um, this, this violence in this movie is not, like, movie violence. There's a lot of gore as well. Um, but it's definitely, like, a movie violence. It, it's a bit more realistic than your average serial killer um, uh, movies or films. I mean, my dad saw the trailer for this and he's just like, oh, that looks good. That's a serial... That, that, looks, good. that looks good. He likes serial killer murder mystery kind of things. Uh, pretty much, pretty much all murder mysteries. He watches the true crime stuff on Netflix. He's all about that stuff. So when he saw the trailer for this, he was like, oh, that looks really good. And I just... <laughs> you know, I told him after I finished the film, I was like, do you want to be in for a two and a half hour fucking art house flick with a lot of violence? Um, majorly against... I mean, yeah females uh, there's a really one of my favorite sequences in the film is he's at a um, he's at I won't say obviously what's in it um, I don't want to give any spoilers but I don't know I think I really want to talk about this movie with someone and no one's seen it <laughs> there's a sequence where he is going I think it's his one of his incidents and he is uh, making her kind of choose choose the kind of options he's talking about definitely like our current social climate how uh you know like men are always the victims and women do no, no, nothing wrong i mean there's some things to say about that scene i don't really want to get into that because i don't really i don't like talking about that anyway um but there's a scene about it's, it's not about that specifically specifically it's about in um when you when look the whole thing about it is no one is going to help you no one on in this in, in the uh, in around in your vicinity in this world is going to help you, even if you call out the loudest that you can. Like no one's going to help you, um, and I think that I just thought that whole scene was brilliant. And then unfortunately afterwards, it's going way too far. Um, and then unfortunately afterwards, it's just like it. It's there's a scene that happens right after that brilliant scene that I thought was so good, where I just thought, oh, really, you don't need that. You just don't... You didn't need... He just constantly... That's... That's the frustration of being a fan of Lars. He constantly makes films that can be... Terrific. That can be such great films. But he constantly gets in his own way. And puts in all his... Pretty much does what he wants to do. He does everything he wants to do. I don't know. He gets... There's no... This is... This movie is just like no studio notes at all. He just does whatever he wants. He puts whatever he wants in there. Um, 
It reminds me of uh, Mandy. Like, Mandy has that prolonged sequence between the main villain and uh, Mandy. And it goes for, like, three to five minutes. And it's not cut at all. There's nothing cut. If a studio saw that, it'd be like, oh, we need to cut that down. Or, like, a test screening for anything. Like, he just does whatever he wants, Lars. He puts whatever he wants in his movies. And I will say sometimes that that, that, that does get in the way of his film being brilliant. Being such a good movie. This movie, I think, if you take out some of the elements in here that he wants to put in here, that he always injects his kind of, his ideals and his themes. And I mean, there's fucking pictures of Hitler in this film. There's footage of Hitler. And this is talking about icons. There's a, there's a theme where he, um, Jack talks about icons. And footage of Hitler is played. And I don't know what the fuck that... Is that supposed to mean that he's an icon? I mean... is And also, is that a positive thing? Or is that... What are you playing with there? So, I don't, I don't really know. Like, he just constantly gets in his way. He just gets in his own way. And it really... It just frustrates you as, as a fan of his. Because you know he's a good filmmaker. You know he can make really, really, really good films. But he just has to fuck it up all on his own. Um, but again, I'm not saying that this he just completely he completely fucks this movie. There's just there's just a lot of occurrences in this film where he just gets in his own way and he just fucks it. You think a scene's going to be brilliant and then immediately after something just something so pretentious and so and something sadistic and something just sometimes even just boring like the pacing like it just doesn't need to be there. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the house that Jack built. Again, though, I mean, take, thinking of all the um, sorry, just scratch the microphone there with the pen. Thinking of all the positive things about it, it's one of my favorites of his. It's definitely one of my favorite films of his. Um, I, I don't know whether to choose this between go between this or Melancholia. Um, it's definitely like definitely like a tie at the moment, maybe between these two in terms of ranking his films. I think these two are definitely at the topping. I mean, House of Jack Bill definitely jumped into like the top three once I finished it. Um, even after watching it for two and a half hours, and I'm I'd be happily uh, ready to watch it again. I would definitely watch it again. Um, it's not one of those films for me where I just be like, oh, I, I've seen that once. I don't need to see that again. Like even films that are just like like ninety minutes, I just be like, oh, I don't need to see that again. Uh, I don't know. I don't really need to see that again. But this movie is two and a half hours long. It's full of such like just things in this movie that will piss so many people off. So many people, and it's just a big fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> to those people. And um, I just think it, it's, it's the funniest... I think it's the funniest movie he's made. I think it's the funniest movie he's made. And I don't know if it's supposed to be that way. I, I, I think it is supposed to be like that way in some aspects, but then other aspects, I just think it just goes way too far and doesn't need to be there. And again, I'll just reiterate again, he just constantly gets in his own way of making his film such a brilliant piece of art. He can talk about being brilliant pieces of art, but the the irony is that this film is not living up to that potential. 
So, yeah, I don't know. That's what I've got to say on that movie. Um, again, it is one of my favorites of the movie. I think it is my favorite movie I've seen in January. Um, I mean, I did see Blind Spotting as well, but I just, I just had more enjoyment with this movie, even though it's fucking so long. It's so fucking long. I think I just had more enjoyment with this movie. Um, it's it might maybe it might be number one, might be in top three. I, I don't really know. I did I haven't seen much in January. I actually I've actually seen already have seen at eleven films this year, uh, new ones. Um, but I, I think it is the best I've seen in January. We're reaching like the end of it, so we're the twenty third here. We're reaching the end of it, um, and it is probably my favorite one. But I just have to say, if you're a Lars fan, you you're going to like this movie. You're going to like this movie. Like if you if you're in this. If you're in his mindset, if you're just if you know what he delivers, you you expect it. But then there's more that you don't expect that you just love. You're going, you're just going, you're going to like this movie. There's not going to be. I mean, unless you've changed your mind over the last few years after seeing *Nymphomaniac*, especially with that fucking ending for *Nymphomaniac*. Um. Yeah, that I I just think you'll I think you'll at least find some enjoyment in *The House of Jack Built*. Um, in the sequences, even with the sequences that I found, but you'll definitely find some sequences to be really good sequences and good scenes. Um, if you're definitely a fan of his work, if you're not a fan of Lars' work, steer clear, steer the fuck clear, because you don't want to come anywhere, <laughs> anywhere near this dude. I'm not saying he's edgy or like, oh, but like, I mean, if you want to just save yourself the time, and if you want to save yourself just like the I don't know, like, you, you just, I don't, you, you don't want to waste your time, you know what I mean? You don't want to waste your time. And two and a half hours of this, and this content, you're not going to like it. You're, you're not going to like it at all. And if you've seen his previous films, you know exactly what he's in for. Antichrist is the perfect example of just, what the fuck? Of, like, coming out of that. Antichrist is the only film of his that I'm just like, eh... Uh, like I get it, it's it's full shock value pretty much to me. Uh, there, are, there are definitely some artistic sequences in that movie, but I just thought it just went a bit too far sometimes, and a bit ridiculous. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're definitely not gonna you're not gonna like this movie at all. If you're if you go into this movie thinking this is gonna be one of those serial killer kind of generic kind of formulaic films with a serial killer and like building up his count, you, oh boy, you do not know what you're in for. You are going to be surprised, like a, like extremely surprised. You might even be disgusted. Um, but I know, I know most. Uh, I know that most people have seen this movie have been incredibly disgusted by it. It's it's going to offend a lot of people. It's going to piss a lot of people off. Um, it it already has, but it will continue to do so with more viewers seeking it out. Um, but that's it. That's the thing that Lars does. Lars makes these films that are so... I'll, I'll say, like, he, he is definitely a filmmaker. He makes films that are so unique and so... Uh, large in scale, just, like, the themes that are on display in most of these films are just, like, fully, fully out there. There's no punches. Um, uh, there's no punches pulled. He goes full throttle. In his films. And he just fucking gives it to you. He just fucking gives it to you. Whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. That's Those are my thoughts on the, on the house that Jack built. Um, 
but like the, again, the best part is Matt Dillon's performance as Jack. He's just incredible. It's his best performance of his career. He commits himself fully to the role. Um, even his character as well, I just found him so fascinating. Uh, the OCD that he has, um, there's a scene where he does his second incident where he has to keep checking under things to see if there's any blood there or if there's not blood there. And that sequence is just so fascinating to me. I love that scene. One of my favorite scenes of the film. Um, if you want to watch the film, watch it for Matt Dillon. But dude, sur surrounding that, surrounding that main character, there is so much that is going to polarize a lot of people and be so divisive and be just be reviled by people. Um, but yeah, that's that, those are my thoughts. Um, all right, <laughs> got through that. Sorry, the bit it carried away, but we got through it. I want to move on now to a um. One of the final ones I want to talk about this uh, tonight. And it's a little film that came out at Sundance last year. I mean, I think people did catch it. They did see it. But uh, it wasn't really talked about that much. And it was been, it had, it had, been, it had been on my radar since Sundance. And it recently came out in Australia. I mean, limited release. Uh, it's directed by, I think, Chris... Christopher Peche, Peche, I think. It's based off the novel of the same name. Uh, Nicholas Peche, I think. Um, I think he's doing... I've heard... Because when I saw this, I've heard the name before. I've heard The Eyes of My Mother. I haven't really seen it. But I've heard The Eyes of My Mother. He's doing The Grudge Remake. Oh, dear. They're doing it. I forgot all about The Grudge Remake. Um, but, okay. Let's not judge a book by its cover. Let's not... Okay. But if you've seen The Eyes of My Mother, you probably know, probably know what you're getting yourself into, I guess, with his filmmaking style. Um, but this movie is fucking weird, man. Holy shit. Um, you've got Christopher Abbott, who I've never seen before, but I thought he was... I loved him in this movie. Um, Mia Wasikowska from Australia. Represent. Um, really loved her. Really like her. I've always loved her um, ever since seeing her in Stoker. And um, she was really great in um, Crimson Peak, I think it was. Del Toro's movie. Crimson Peak with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I mean, she's Alice in Alice in Wonderland, but then again, I didn't really see that. Um, you, she was good in Damsel. I did watch Damsel with um, Robert Pattinson. But I always love Mia, and I think she's actually a, a terrific actress. And she's so awesome in this movie. Her character is so... Just lovely and charming. Um, her character of Jackie, she plays a prostitute. Um, before I get into it, I must, I have, I have to tell you the prop. So, I'm just going to give you this. So, a man has a wife and a baby. It's played with Christopher Abbott. His name is Reed. And he leaves for the night. He's a, I don't know if he's a hitman or an assassin, but he leaves for the night. And his plan is to kill a prostitute, but also have it to be like the perfect murder. Of a prostitute. Yeah, it sounds weird. <laughs> that description already is probably putting you off. I'm just thinking, okay, does that need to, need to be a film? And uh, this prostitute, I'll just say, is just, uh, you know, she's got some things up her sleeve. She's gonna, she's gonna surprise him. I'll say that. Um, but that's all. That's all I'll say. Yeah, this movie is fucking weird, man. Uh, this movie is 
so it's so unique um i haven't really seen i mean the last really really unique film i saw was mandy and uh this movie is kind of reaching levels of that but also not being as good as mandy i'll say um it doesn't really execute it as well as mandy did um in a lot of areas really but i watched it and um i didn't I, i'm gonna say I, I didn't waste my time i thought this movie was really fucking weird bizarre but also at the same time i thought it was cool i liked the characters i think i understand the plot i don't know if it's too straightforward it's supposed to be a bit of a metaphor but the only thing i didn't like was the ending uh it wasn't a fan of that but i will say it's got gorgeous gorgeous cinematography beautiful composition um, the shots are so nice in the in the production design of the hotel is so beautiful love the use of miniatures as well um, in in the uh, you have some uh, exterior shots of the hotel and you can definitely tell that they're miniatures and the way it's shot is just so lovely it's so beautiful it's um it, it just makes the hotel seem so fantastical and um, I really love that element of the film I definitely its style is just it's so gripping. It's it's just it's it's dude. It's dripping. It's dripping with style. Um, but that again, that's going to be your problems with films like this. Is it style over substance? I'm def I'll say yes. It is a style over substance. But again, I didn't waste my time with it. Um, it's very short too. It's about eighty minutes long. Um, it's about yeah about an hour and twenty eighty minutes long. And the ending, I just just wasn't a fan of the ending. I was really loving this because where we go, the characters, the bit of the, the really weird tripping scenes. Um, there's no, I won't give too much away, but there's some, just some weird shit that goes on. There's some really unexpected stuff. It's very, um, I'm gonna say, um, it's just so bizarre. Like, I've, it's, you just, you, you're watching it and you'll be like, like, do I like this? <laughs> do I not? Um... It's very subversive in terms of its just its themes and its style and what is in the plot and what the film packs into it. I just it just sucks that it ended so abruptly, in my opinion. It just it had such a weak ending for a film that I was starting to get a, a bit invested in and starting to be like get invested with the, definitely with the characters between and the chemistry between Mia Waskowska Waskal, and uh, Christopher Rabbit is great here. And. Um, I just didn't. I just really didn't like the ending at all. Like it, it ends so abruptly. It's so short, and that is when, like, the film definitely hooks you around that, um, around like the sixty-minute mark. Where you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. I want. I want to see this to the end. But it just ends like that. It honestly just ends like that. It just ends. Cuts to black, and I was like, oh man, that was disappointing. So. Yeah, I will say it's a very, like, watch it for, it's definitely for its style and its uniqueness, but, uh, yeah, it's just, just be aware that that ending is not going to be satisfactory, um, unless you like endings like that, but I know a lot of people that don't, <laughs> so, um, definitely, like, most of my friends are not going to like that ending at all, um, they're just going to think the movie was trash, the whole movie was trash, um, they'll just think, probably. But um, it's definitely got a lot to offer in terms of style, cinematography, composition, acting, uh, characters, uh, writing. It's based off a novel. I want to read the novel now, actually. I'm actually quite interested in reading what the novel is. 
but um, yeah, that's what you get with piercing. The good thing is, if, if, if you think it's so bad and you're not having a good time with it, it's 80 minutes long. You can definitely get through it. It's very, very short. Um, but I'll, I will just want to say, I didn't, I, I, my time wasn't wasted in it. And um, I just, I just, it's, it shoots, it misses on most things. Um, it, it, it hits on some things, but it definitely, in the end, it definitely has that disappointing last swing, and it doesn't, it just doesn't execute it. I don't think it just doesn't get, it doesn't, didn't get me, and I was just left with a feeling of kind of being underwhelmed at the end of it. So, yeah, that's it. Those, that's my thoughts on um, piercing. Uh, you can check it out. I don't know where you want to get your films, but you like, I think it's still playing in limited release. Maybe not. Don't know. Um, but last I heard it was. But um, check it out if you want to. It'll probably be in... Might be in my... I don't know if it'll make top five, but because it's, there's, there's, I haven't really seen many movies in January, so it could make top five. I'm still going to make a top five for Instagram. And... Um, I don't know. If you want something so fresh and unique and so weird and out there, definitely give it a watch. It's again, it's, it's short and it's. It, I, I think it's it's not a waste of time. It definitely has a lot of ambition to it, and uh, I, I I appreciate that. I actually really appreciate that. Um, but you gotta stay for like the chemistry and the, and the characters of Mia and Christopher. Like the chemistry between them, their little back and forth. The camaraderie is it's lovely it's char very charming she's such a charming character love it so yeah that's it those are my thoughts on all those three movies uh glass being the fir first one house that jack built being second and piercing uh check them out i actually recommend all of them <laughs> would you believe that um i recommend all of them uh i'll be talking more in depth about glass tomorrow with my uh, good friend Jacob Richards. We'll be sitting down. We'll be getting a nitty gritty. We'll be peeling back layers. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about theories. We'll be talking about the ending. The so many branches of the ending. We'll be talking about so many things. Oh, spoiler! It's gonna be fucking awesome. Um, so definitely tune <laughs> in and listen to that if you're a fan of Glass, you're a fan of Shyamalan. If you want to hear our thoughts on the film. Uh, definitely, definitely pop in for a uh, listen for that one, and that'll be up on. Uh, if not Thursday, that will be up Friday. Um, I will promise you that that will be up Friday. So you, it'll be up before the weekend, and you can listen to it before you get really pretty rowdy on Australia Day and all that stuff. So uh, it'll be out before then. Um, House of Jack, if you find it anywhere, I mean, give it a watch if you're a Lars fan. But if you're not, I mean, man, just yeah, stay away. Uh, but again, I loved it. Um, and yeah, piercing. Piercing's a lovely little indie that, uh, you know, it's not a waste of your time. It's got a lot to offer. And I think if you really stick with it, and you've really, you're really going to enjoy the ride, or you're going to get off that ride and say, fuck that ride. So, <laughs> it's really up to you. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening to tonight's, or this week's episode of the podcast. Um, next week, I, I, I know that Green Book and I think Beale Street is coming out tomorrow. Or I think it's the mule, but I'll be talking about either one of those. If not, uh, be talking about something. Um, there's a few articles actually going down that uh, going around that are actually uh, quite interesting. Um, 
but I'll, again, I'll, I think I'll just chat to someone else about that one. Uh, there's one specifically that I, just, I, I need to chat with someone about. That's so weird. But uh, if you want to hear the Oscar noms, I've also got that podcast out. That's already out. I recorded that earlier this, this evening. It's out on CastBox right now. So if you want to hear my thoughts on the Oscar nominations of 2019, whether they be surprises, snubs, my negative thoughts, my positive thoughts, uh, my overall whole feelings about the whole thing, uh, de- check on, check that out. Give that a bloody listen. And uh, I've also got my most anticipated of 2019. That's sitting on the... Uh, on the uh, cast box as well on my channel check that out if you want to see some um, kind of get some kind of ideas of what to watch this year what to look out for there's definitely ones that are on other people's list but there's also ones that I don't think other people have picked and uh, that I've worked on there myself for my own personal preference uh, and then you've also got the bonus episode for Black Mirror Bandersnatch that I promised you guys a couple of weeks ago but never did because the weather decided to be a fuckwit and decided to melt me in place um, as it is right now, I don't have a fan on, and this office is already—it's already making me sweat beads. Um, but you know, this is this is what I do, so you got to live with it, you know. Hopefully, in the future, I do invest in getting an office <laughs> or some sort of studio. Um, I do look forward to uh, you know keeping this running and getting like more microphones as well. So yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, have a great weekend. Have a great, safe Australia Day. Whatever you're doing, having parties, getting together with friends, stay safe. Don't do any stupid things, or do if you want to. But uh, you know, I would really just, just uh, you know, stay safe. Have a good time. Just be, be good, be good, and be safe. And uh, I'll talk to you uh, when I when I next talk to you. I don't know if it's going to be about the mule or the uh, the green book. The Green Book, uh, or, or Green Book, but uh, maybe we'll be in bad Oscars again. I don't really know, but um, I'll definitely be talking to you very soon, and uh, I'll see you then. All right, cheers. Take, take care.